be here. And I want to just say I'm so proud of, of you guys. I'm so proud of the guys who call this church. We, we put on services like this all the time and just make things happen. And those guys who have just made the Easter happen uh, the, both this morning and this evening. And of course with baptisms. And uh, we're, just, we're just really proud of those guys who are being baptized uh, tonight. There was nine this morning and it's five this evening. That's 14 people. It may not be hundreds, but the reality is I was watching a TV program and they was trying to make out that, that Christianity in Britain is in decline. I want to say we're alive and kicking. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We're alive and kicking. God is at work in, in, in our nation. God is at work amongst us. And we need to keep confessing that, not confessing bad stuff, but confessing good stuff. God is at work in the lives of men and women and boys and girls. He's changing hearts. He's changing lives. And you're going to hear some stories of some changed lives tonight. And it's going to be absolutely fantastic. I just, it's my joy to just share 20 minutes with you. And I was just really thinking, what, what should I share? How, how do you want me to share, Lord? What do you want me to say to this, this great, these great folks here tonight? And I was really reflecting on just something that I think I've really developed over the years, and that is a stronger sense of conviction. The reality is there are many people who live out of, without, without any conviction about anything. They're so easily swayed. You just go, and they blow over. You talk to them about, about things, and if you're highly persuasive, they're changing their minds within a moment, within an instant. No conviction, no no, no absolutes, no, no firm conviction that what they believe is what they believe. I actually enjoy debating and talking with people who don't actually have a faith conviction. If they have a strong conviction, what I can't be doing with is mamby-pamby kind of, well, I'm not quite sure, and I can't be doing with that. A firm conviction. I want to say to you tonight... If you are part of Arena Church, what we seek to do every single time that we gather is lay something in you of a firm conviction that you know what you know and you know what you believe. We want to be a church that are firm in our convictions, not stubborn, not obstinate, not, not you know, aggressive, but just firm in our convictions. And if you're not sure tonight actually what you believe, I'd encourage you just over these few minutes to really listen to me because I'm going to present something to you that you may have never heard before. And that is there is one, his name is Jesus, who hung upon a cross and on the third day he rose again and he did it all for you. He did it all for you. And he did it with great conviction. The Bible said he set his face like flint. He was immovable. There was nothing going to stop him. Dying upon that cross. Some people say he was forced upon a cross. I want to tell you, he willingly laid down his life. Don't you think the Son of God could have said, be, be off with you. I don't want to be bothered with, bothered with you. He had the power to smite them all. I love that film, The Mighty Smiter, if anybody has ever seen it. You know, that, that, you know, he had the power to smite them all. Yeah, the Son of Glory, the Son of God, willingly laid down his life for each and every one of us. Why did he do that out of the... A firm conviction. When I say baptism is all about convictions. It's all about convictions. Phil often quotes, baptism is not about perfection, it's about new beginnings, but it's also about convictions. And I wonder if Leslie would just help me for a moment. Leslie, would you come to the front? You're going to have to come to the front in a moment anyway, and I know you're not comfortable with this, but I just want you to just look at something, because this is my message tonight. This is my message. It's on the t-shirt. My message is the t-shirt. 
And Leslie's saying here she's going to be baptized now. And she's saying, I have decided. Everybody just turn to your neighbor and say, I have decided. You can go and take your seat. You may say, what have you decided? What have you decided? Well, there's many people around the world who've decided to follow Jesus. Many people have decided to follow Jesus. There are many people here who've decided to follow Jesus. I want to say Jesus is worth deciding to follow. He really is. There are many people around the world in different contexts who've decided to follow Jesus. And some of those people are not in the comfort of Britain, but they're in the, the, they're in the challenges of different countries. I was just doing a check on this this afternoon. There are 50 countries across the world where it's almost impossible to be a Christian. The, the statistics, statisticians say that there are about 100 million Christians who are being persecuted for the faith. Even in North Korea alone, which is the number one hotspot country to be persecuted as, as a Christian, they record and they report there's about 50 to 70,000 Christians who are in concentration camps. Why? Because they've decided to follow Jesus. And I always smile to myself because I'm a bit of a man's man, really. I like being with blokes. And, you know, I'm, I think I'm very blokish. And so as soon as you introduce yourself, what, what are you? What do you do? You know, and you say, well, actually, I'm a Christian minister. You can almost see blokes in their, in their minds thinking, oh, he's one of them, is he? Bit of a whim, bit of a, I have got a clue. You know, and some of you who work in the workplace, you know what I'm talking about. And so what they automatically think is, they haven't got a clue, Jacob. You're soft. You're weak. You haven't got any sense of convictions. And that is the world's opinion very much of Christians, I have to say, we haven't done ourselves any favors either sometimes. And again, I want to say this church is about having a conviction about what we believe. And some people say to me, you know, well, these Christians, they haven't got a clue what they're on about. And I always have a smile to myself because I think, you know what, they haven't got a clue what I'm talking about. There is a cost. There is an inconvenience to following Jesus. If you're here tonight and at the end, I am going to give an opportunity. But if you're thinking to yourself, well, I'll come because it's my ticket to ride. And, you know, we've got this sugar daddy in the sky and he's going to take care of everything. It isn't how it works. It really isn't how it works. What we do have is an assurance in this life that Jesus is with us. And I have a certainty in my heart that in the midst of trials and tribulations, there's a peace that surrounds me. There's a love that never fails me. There's a confidence in who I am and who I'm living for, absolutely. But I want to tell you, I still face trials of many kinds. I still face challenges of many kinds. Christianity is not for the faint-hearted. That's what I'm really saying to you. There is a cost to following Jesus. And many countries know the cost greater than us. And actually, that's one of the challenges to us as preachers in the UK to actually try and stir every one of our hearts for us to actually speak out confidently and assuredly that Jesus is alive. And for us not to be ashamed of our faith, not to be ashamed of who we belong to. We should announce it from the rooftops. We should announce it in our office place. We should announce it in the hospital and the schools. Yes, we're Christ followers. Why? Because we've decided to follow Jesus. 
It's a, an old hymn. It's an old hymn. If you've ever been around church, you'll know it's an old hymn. But I just did a little bit of background on it, actually, because the actual hymn comes from it, uh, uh, what, what happened was, in the 19th century, there was a Welsh missionary who went to the north, northeast of India, a place called Assam. And he went with the sole purpose of preaching Jesus in this town, in this, in this village, in this community. And there was someone who actually made a response to follow Jesus, he and his family. They decided that they were going to follow Jesus And the chief of the village heard that this man and his family were now Christ's followers. And this community was Hindu. It was a Hindu community. And he said, I'm going to follow Jesus. And this chief heard about it and brought this man and his family out into the middle of the the village. And said to him, unless you renounce your faith, you are going to be executed today. And the man, before the chief and with all the people, said these words. I have decided to follow Jesus. The chief then said, if you continue with this way of life, we're going to execute your wife. He goes on to say, no turning back. As they sliced off her head, no turning back. He says, you've got another chance. Your family here, the cross before me. The world behind me as he executes his family to the point where this man would not would not renounce his faith and they ultimately killed him. The Spirit of God, this is what happened. The Spirit of God came into that village at that particular time. The Holy Spirit just breathed upon it, and this chief saw such faith and conviction in this man and his family. It said to the whole village these people truly knew God and there was a mass revival that took place in that village that is where the hymn comes from that is where the the words I have decided to follow Jesus no turning back no turning back Jesus experienced people turning away from him I want to just turn your attention for a moment these closing moments to John in chapter 6 John in chapter 6 records this. We haven't got time to go into the full context of the verses, but all I want to say is that Jesus was saying some things that were challenging to the people. This is why I'm saying the cost of following Jesus is not always easy. And he says there in verse 66, From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. So there were people who were once following Jesus, but because of the things that they were hearing, which were too tough, they were no longer following him. And Jesus asked the 12 disciples, do you want to leave me too? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, in whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Simon Peter was announcing, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And Jesus here 
was speaking with a group of a crowd, probably similar to this, as people began to wander away from the life of Jesus. There were some who remained in Jesus. And I believe they remained in Jesus because of three things. First of all, as we come to Jesus, there is a new association. There is a new association. My mom and dad are here tonight. They always used to say to me, particularly my mom, just pick your friends carefully. What she was meaning in that is, there's people who will try and lead you astray. Hello? There's people who look all right, but on the, on the outside, but actually they've got other ways about them. Have you ever come across people like that? Of course we have. They're all around us. You might have been one of them, leading people astray. That might be what, what you did. I can't say that I've always been squeaky clean, because I think at times I've probably led people astray and got them into trouble. Particularly when I was a youngster growing up with a few cousins. We're always getting into trouble. It's what you did, wasn't it? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Don't all look like that at me. I'm going to press the buzzer in a minute and start squealing at you. Okay. But the reality is we have to be careful with who we associate with. And when Jesus said these things, he was wanting to say to them, look, in me there is a new association. There's a good association. And people who follow Jesus have a new association. Let me talk about water baptism. Water baptism is a public declaration of a new association. People are saying today as they are in the waters, I'm no longer my own. I'm no longer just pleasing myself. I'm now dying to myself and I want to follow Jesus. Let me say none of these people are perfect who are going to be in the, the pool tonight. None of them. They're all on a journey. But they're saying they have a new association. He says in verse 68, we've read it already, Simon Peter answered him, you alone have the words of eternal life. Peter knew that this is the association that he wanted. He knew that this is the one that he needed to cleave to. He knew he, knew he was the one who had everything that he needed for life. He knew he was the one who he could have confidence in. He knew with this new association, his life was going to be all right. Even if there was huge cost, he knew that his life was going to be okay. And there's many of you tonight need to have an assurance that when you follow Jesus, you have a new association. Doesn't mean that everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to go well all the time. But I want to say, everything will be all right. Does anybody know what I'm talking about in that new association? The second thing is, there is a new foundation. There is a new foundation. Because verse 69, Peter says this. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. I wonder if you believe and know who you are. I wonder if you believe and know this Jesus that I'm talking about. People who know this Jesus don't just have a new association, but they have a new foundation. People are looking to build their lives on all kinds of things. People are building their lives on all kinds of things. Fame and success, wealth, on their husbands, on their wives, on their kids. None of those things in themselves are bad. But I want to say there's only one firm foundation. His name's Jesus. And we read a story in the Gospel of Matthew where it talks about there's a parable, a story, where Jesus tells a story about where you're building your life. Are you going to build it on sand or are you going to build it on the rock? Because if you build it on sand, the wind and the rain will come and it will be what? Washed away. But if you build it on the rock, which is Christ Jesus, the wind and the rain will come, but you have a solid foundation on which to build your life. 
There's a new association that comes and there is a new foundation. Some of you are building your lives on such shaky stuff. I want to encourage you to put your trust in Jesus completely, wholeheartedly. Put your trust in him completely. Bow the knee tonight and have that new foundation in Jesus Christ. You see, once we're rooted in the fact that Jesus is alive, life has a foundation and it also has a compass. And that brings me on to my third point and my last point. Not only is there a new association and a new foundation, but there is now a new direction. (laughs) A new direction. Because verse uh, 68, Peter says, to whom shall we go? He was basically saying, well, where else can I go? You have the words of eternal life. Where Where else will give me that sense of direction? And there are people who are going on trips all around the world, trying to find themselves, trying to find purpose in their life. You know, all this nonsense at 40 and a midlife crisis and I need a new direction. I need a new, you know, this, that, and the other. I want to tell you what you need is you need a new savior. You know, we're going to be trusting in what you have been trusting in. You need to trust in Jesus tonight. Trust in Jesus, a new direction. I love what it says in Psalm 25, verse 8, a modern translation. It says, God is fair and just, and he corrects the misdirected and sends them in the right direction. Does anybody know what I was talking about? You was once misdirected. You were once going in the wrong direction, but God comes because he's just and fair, and he takes those who are misdirected and begins to send them in the right direction. This direction means that you can have, the only way I can describe it is a breath of fresh air. The Bible says actually that as we come to God, God promises to give us a new heart and promises to put a new spirit in us. He gives us a new sense of direction. He gives us life that's worth living. And friend, tonight, you may say, well, I've got so many questions. And I've been thinking about it. I have to be honest with you. This, this, in my journaling, these last few months, I've had lots and lots of questions. Lots of questions. It's been a real time of questions. Just, you know, just before the Lord. I've not even said to Caroline, but just not just in... Let me just describe that because then you can think, what's going off here? Just in terms of Jesus, just... Why is there so much difficulty in the world? And why is there so much suffering? And why is there so much hardship? And just, you know, just questions, just deep questions in my heart. But all I've realized is, you know, I have to just live by faith and walk by faith. And there are some questions that I will get answers to. And there are some questions I won't get answers to. But there are some things that I've realized actually that I think I need answers to actually become irrelevant in the sight of Jesus. Do you not understand what I'm talking about? You know, because Jesus means everything. And the more we fall in love with Jesus, the more those things of this world become a complete irrelevance. Jesus is here. Jesus' heart is to give us a new association. His desire is to give you a new foundation. And he certainly wants to give you a new direction. We've got something that's running in Arena Church. It's brand new. It's called the Growth Track. Part of our Growth Track is we want to encourage people to know God. 
want people to find freedom, want people to discover their purpose so they can go and make a difference. This is what we're talking about this evening because it's exactly the journey that God wants to take each and every one of us on because what I've realized is that most people live out of no sense of purpose, no sense of direction, no sense of foundation. They have no assurance of where they're going. It's just sauntering through life. And there's going to be some people here tonight who are going to say, that was once my life, but now I've decided. And I'm convinced that I'm following Jesus and there's no turning back. No turning back. I wonder if we'd bow our heads for a moment. In this attitude of